Hello, CLC family. What's going on? Christian here. Hey, Bob here. Looking forward to Super Bowl weekend. Yes, we are. So we actually wanted to start episode two of the Sermon Q&A with a two-minute kind of uh, Super Bowl prediction. So I'm going to put the timer back here, and uh, we got two minutes. So, Bob, uh, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Um, I think it definitely will be the Eagles. Um, I think it's – I. I'm going to go out on limb and give you a score. I think it's going to be 31 to 21, but I don't think it's going to be that close a game. I think that the Eagles are going to dominate. Um, that's my prediction. Okay. And it'll it'll be 10 points, but it'll it'll be that extra field goal, that extra you know, okay. allowing them to score at the end. Okay. I'm my prediction is the Eagles will win, but I think it's going to be a really like difficult first half. I think the Chiefs will be in the lead, and then by um, the second half, the Eagles will clearly pull ahead. So I'm going to guess, I'm going to be audacious here, uh, 38 to 21. So it's an additional touchdown on top of what you are predicting. So we'll see if they could pull through. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, that we did that in less than two minutes. It's pretty good. We probably won't do that with everything in this podcast, but um, that's just going to go off for a sec. Um, hey, welcome to episode two of Sermon Q&A. For those of you who have not joined us before, basically what we're doing is we spend two minutes recapping the sermon, uh, about seven minutes kind of going through some deeper uh, conversation around the sermon, and then eight minutes recapping questions that you have sent to us. And so we have the questions here, and we can see some of y'all even online right here. Um, so that's kind of the game plan. Uh, we're glad that you're here. If you ever have questions about the sermon, visit clcfamily.church. clcfamily.church slash sermon. There's a form there that you can submit your questions or you could just email them to one of us. So um, we're going to talk about last Sunday's sermon, which feels like forever ago, but it was a couple days ago. Um, so I'm going to give you two minutes and you can recap. Does that work? Yeah. All right. Here we go. You got two minutes starting now. Yeah. So the essence, we're looking at the new software to put on and we reach kind of the high point of that passage when he says you're supposed to be imitators of God, which that's pretty tall order. Yeah. Imitate God. That's intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And when he says imitate God, he says then imitate the way Christ lived, which he summarizes as, as a life of love, live mm-hmm. a life of love. So those two things are the high point. And every, you know, I'm just struck by the fact that everything else we do in the Christian life is a means to make us Christ-like or to make us more loving, mm. plus nothing really. So that is, a, is, an, is an amazing description of discipleship, a beautiful description of discipleship. Um, hey, even non-Christians have a pretty high high view of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And most people say that they would like their life to be a life that is loving, that that shows a lot of love. So um, one thing I just recap is I looked at um, three stages of discipleship or stages of spiritual growth mm-hmm. and said that I think we're not as good at moving from two to three. And the first stage is just kind of get the messiness of your life together. Most of us wind up doing that there's even societal pressure right like learn how to pay your bills um don't be um you know addicted to the kind of things that make your life fall apart you can be addicted to work you can be addicted to accumulated more stuff yeah you might actually get a raise for that Mm. um but but don't have the kind of things that make your life mess up pull your life together stage one that's simple base basic formation Stage two is when you begin to serve others. So at least getting that on the board somewhere where you're giving back. But stage three of discipleship is really more a radical, sacrificial Hmm. element. And in this passage in Ephesians 5 verse 2, he says, And live a life of love as Christ did, offering himself as a fragrant, sacrificial offering, Hmm. like sacrifice. And um, 
that is the level I think that we're all going to struggle with. Yeah. Like I'm like me personally, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to feel even unfulfilled if I'm not doing some of two, hmm. giving my life to serve others. I'm going to, um, want to be doing that, but it's where it starts to really to hurt or where there's a sacrifice or, or this radical obedience. Um, but that's where he says our, our, our flourishing really happens when, when that is taking place, radical obedience, radical sacrifice. And it should express itself in love. So that's a basic summary. Oh, pretty good. <laughs> so That was a lot in two minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's perfect. So let's um, now we're going to spend seven minutes to kind of dive a bit deeper into that because I'm sure we kind of talk about that and there's questions or concerns that even come to our mind or even some, if we're being honest, some pushback that we might have to live radically in some ways. So I'm going to start the timer and we're going to talk for seven minutes on this. So um, with what you just said in the two minute summary, is there anything that you wish you could go more in depth about or something that you kind of want to expand on for a bit? Yeah. Um, so that point as dearly loved children, hmm. uh, be imitators of God, that really raises it to a gospel level. And it hmm. says like the first thing is, do you know you're loved by God? Hmm. Um, the one you're imitating is not like, you're not imitating your judge or your critic. Mm-hmm. I'm not imitating the one who knows all my flaws and wants to bring them to my attention yeah. in a condemning way, accusatory mm-hmm. way. I, I'm imitating one who overflows in love toward me, which changes the equation. Yeah. Right. So I find that is one of the hardest things for me, honestly, to believe and apply to myself that I do try to preach to others all the time, that I am freely, contrary to my behavior and my condition, I am freely loved by that. And that this God actually, I don't know, how about you? Does that? Yeah, you know, that is small phrases like that. uh, Sometimes we glance over, but I do think like it almost sets up like, this is who you are. This is your identity. Now let your lifestyle, um, kind of who you are reflect who you are I mean, it's kind of like almost backwards because usually in the world today we identify i am what i do or i am what i produce but god's not saying that here the writer's not saying that uh he's saying uh no you are a child of, that is loved by god um now be imitators then of christ because of who you are which i think is unique and i think i see, I see paul do that every now and then but I think it's a really important part to focus on. And you even said some things which I really appreciated. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the point that like love is what forms us? I can't remember the exact quote that you said, but it's this idea of like love changes us. Sometimes we get it backwards and we try and like just uh, uh, pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and like work really hard. Um, but we, it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that's that is along the same line. So. The quote, actually, so it was from Ron Rollheiser, hmm. who has written a book called Sacred Flame, which I'm just dipping into. Um, and he, he says this, he says, we are not loved because we are good. Hmm. You know, we think like, well, if, if I do good, I'll be loved. But he says, no, we're not loved because we're good, but hopefully we become good as we experience love. Hmm. And he says that that's true really across the board, you know, in our development, just as, just as human beings at the human level. Um, that it's all those resources of love. And I have to say, like, I had a lot of resources of love poured into me in my family, among grandparents, whatever. I'm really grateful for. And I think that was the soil in which I, I did feel within that family mm. a sense of freedom. And and whatever good there is was produced in that, not not like I was auditioning for a place in someone's heart. Sure. But I already had it. Yeah. So I wanted to please them. And I think that's the part of imitating 
God, it comes really after you're in a relationship. Yeah. And that relationship is based on love. Yeah. So the invitation comes to that. Because I'm, I'm thinking like this next week, hopefully around the world, people are going to be imitating Jalen Hurts. Little, little aspiring football players, both boys and yeah. girls are going to be like, Jalen Hurts, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, but they won't be in a relationship with Jalen Hurts. <laughs> you know, they won't be, they may be trying to imitate and, and come up to that. And imitation, when you're not secure in who you are, is could be kind of oppressive. Sure, yeah. You know? um, and you can't maintain that, I feel like. Like, you can imitate for a while, um, but I feel like at some point you get tired of it or there's no kind of foundation upon which it's built. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, kind of jumping into a question, it's still kind of reflective. Um, people might ask, how do how how do we how do we kind of practice being loved by God? Because there's some days where you know I might feel contrary to that, or I might uh, not experience that in the way that I'd hoped, or maybe kind of this dark season of the soul type thing. Like, how do we how do we kind of maintain that reality and continue to live as children that are loved by God when we don't mm-hmm. always feel it or experience it? Yeah, I think I mean honestly, I think we need other people in our life to speak to us. Yeah. Yeah. If it's me alone with myself. I mean, there can be experiences like the Bible in Romans 5 talks about the love of God is is poured out in your heart through the Holy Spirit, yeah. like those times. But I do think a lot of times when I've experienced the love of God, it has actually been in community. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes a really good small group experience of among friends um, that regularly meet, I feel like, wow, I've disclosed some of the messiness of who I am mm-hmm. and my friends really love me. Um and, and it draws me back to the God who loves me hmm. in that way. Or even uh, recently at the Eco Conference, I was in, like, it was so blessed to be in a group of, like, a thousand, more than a thousand people worshiping their hearts out hmm. and declaring the gospel, declaring the love of God, how great, how unthinkable it is. And I just found, like, it, it broke something in me. It was cleansing. It lifted me to a, a all of a sudden, the gospel became more plausible because I've got all these people singing it to me, yeah, yeah. you know, and so um, I find that's really helpful. I I can't really keep myself in the love of God alone. Like yeah. I just I'm gonna go into some weird places if I'm all by myself. Sure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's um, a good observation. Highlights the importance of community and not being isolated in that way. So. Yeah, I think I've heard people say, like, you need three people. You need, you need small groups of friends sometimes. Then you need a, a little larger group, a room. And then you need a group that's bigger than what a room can hold. Yeah, yeah. For just your psychological well-being. And yeah. I think that's true spiritually. I mean, God knew what he was doing with the three, the 12, the 70, yeah. the 120 in the upper room. Like, we, we need that. Yeah. Um, I also heard it said, too, that faith is never um, – it's never – it's always personal, but it's never private in that, like uh, – at least that's if I'm remembering that correctly. Hopefully I'm not botching it. But the idea is like, yeah, we all have like our personal faith journey, but it's never private. Like we're always journeying with someone else. Um, oh, they're great. accompanying us and um, and we don't do it uh, in an isolated manner. In fact, I'd, I'd argue against the ability to do it in an isolated manner in a way that is life-giving and transformative. And so, um, yeah, made a good point Even when we were perfect, it wasn't good for us to be alone. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It, it's like something's not good. Um, of course, we couldn't take dominion over the earth alone, like care for it sure. and nurture it. But Yeah. Uh, anything else we are, I mean, it's just about 30 seconds. Anything else that you'd add to that or even last week? I know we're kind of even chatting a little bit about yeah, last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, just um, 
just the challenge at the end that is still resting with me in terms of not um, not trading, not burning out for not burning at all. Hmm. That kind of thing of removing challenge. Um, I think that's. I think that's worth all of us thinking about. Sure. Um, I definitely want to think about that. There's a part of us, I think, that um, I don't feel I'm. I want to be one of those people that refuse to get old. Um, not that's trying to wear clothes that are not my generation's clothes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of being in the game of relationships and yeah. caring about people and <clears throat> you know pushing myself outward, sure. you know, and and not retreat. So I think that that's good and. Um, that that whole thing of choosing a second childhood um, instead of choosing to lean in and mature and and give yourself away in those years that's um, that I know that's where joy is I know that's how I, I want to yeah. and I've seen that I yeah. mean frankly I mean if you I would say this if you don't know any older person who is living and leaning into the gospel you need to come to CLC because I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of great examples of people who are still learning, still leaning in, still wanting to be engaged at yeah. a deep level. Um, and it, it's a beautiful thing to see, yeah. you know, and it, across the generations. Yeah. So and you have a lot of young families that are growing into that too and kind of jumping in and, and figuring that out too. So yeah, yeah really, really cool place to that. be. We're a little biased, but you know. Um, wonderful. Uh, now we're gonna spend the last eight minutes of our time doing questions. And we actually did get some questions from last week's sermon. Um, so we're going to work, uh, kind of look back a little bit as we are kind of looking uh, at this last weekend too. So I'm going to start the timer, and I'm going to start with last two weeks' questions. We just have a couple of those, and we got eight minutes on the clock. Um, first thing I want to mention is, um, so we got a couple questions. Uh, the first one of them being, uh, well, can you give us like a uh, ten-second uh, summary of last week, just to kind of jog our memories? <laughs> I know it's less than two minutes, but yeah, basically the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So yeah. you know, it's really important what we say. It's we can trace it back and realize, hey, there may be some things going on in yeah. the heart, you know, and um, so so gossip or running someone down often yeah. comes out of a heart that's insecure in ourselves. So we got to justify ourselves by comparison to other people. And yeah, we diminish them so that we can increase ourselves yeah. is where that comes from. Yeah. Which is why the gospel is the cure. Yeah. Because once we are settled that we are forgiven and accepted and loved in Christ, yeah. we don't have to be justified by other people. Yep. We were justified through the cross, through the blood, through yeah. the good news yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. And that's very much in conjunction with even this last week's sermon of like, Hey, we are loved children of God. Therefore let's love as Jesus loved. And, can't love as Jesus loved if we're just kind of using our words flippantly. So um, with that backdrop, thanks for that. That was pretty good. That was, that was really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with that as our backdrop, our first question is, I sometimes uh, I sometimes have thoughts about other people that are frankly negative, but I do not speak them aloud. What is this? And I think that's kind of in reflection of like gossip or whatnot. So what, what do we call that? Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes we have attention to things that need to be addressed. Sometimes it can be you know, um, a form of discernment um, that comes because you are aware of certain categories of behavior, but it's what makes it dangerous to be around the content of the New Testament because it can sharpen your sense of what should be, and then you take that out and apply it to other people Mm. when it actually is especially meant, first of all, to be applied to ourselves. So Mm. we really should be the hardest on ourselves in terms of those critiques. Like, where is that going for us? Uh, because that can that can reveal something that's going on there. So, sure. 
Um, but it can be a form of, of like the light of truth is shining and we're seeing that. And it, um, it's a dangerous spot to be because as long as we are more aware of other people's faults mm-hmm. than we are our own, uh, we're in a dangerous place. Because sure. Paul said, um, this is a certain statement, right? Christ came to save sinners. And he says, of whom I am the worst. He doesn't yeah. say, I used to be. Yeah. He says, I am the worst. How can you say that? Because Paul was one of the most awesome Christ followers who ever lived. And I think it was because he was acquainted with his own sins the most. Yeah. He was did not know what was going on in everybody else's heart. He yeah. knew what had passed in his own heart. Yeah. Um, so I think the antidote is really to be acquainted with what's going on in our own heart, not by way of discouragement, yeah. but in a way of, of like this, despite this, God loves me and this is part of the work. Yeah. So. And it would have been really off-putting if he said like, you know, sinners of which like Matthew, he's just the worst, <laughs> isn't he, right? Like point someone else out, which we're prone to do, but yeah. So much prone Good to Good example. Do. Um, the second question, which is kind of similar to the first, um, if I make a true objective observation uh, about person A to person B, for example, I have observed that A is almost always late. Is this gossip or am I just stating a fact? Yeah, well, that that exercise I, I talked about in sort of the exercise of not allowing yourself to do that for a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, may reveal whether that becomes a habit or, an, or a thing that runs someone down. Yeah. Um, and I know when I hear someone draw attention to someone else's faults um, and the other person's not there, it it always rings in me. It's like, well, okay, then I guess when I leave the room, whatever my besetting fault is, is going to be open for discussion. Yeah. And it, it can really hinder um, relationships. So... Uh, I, I think we ought to keep a pretty strict accounting of that. Like yeah. if we're not, if we're to not talk about people in a way we wouldn't talk about them if they were in the room. Yeah. And that's not it. I mean, that was Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. It's yeah. one of the, the key things. Of, and it is very hard to do, by the way. It's yeah. almost impossible. Yeah. Um, when you're like a, a coach of a basketball team or football team or, or like you're responsible for putting on music or maybe in church, you're responsible for selecting volunteers um, or choosing who might be a slate of elders or leaders or mm-hmm. small group leaders. You do have to um, have the ability to judge other people with sober judgment. Sure. And you're not savagely criticizing them. You're just saying, you know, is, is this a place that's a good fit for them? And I, I found that very dangerous, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I, I have not figured that one out entirely. Yeah. Um, where I'm not... Um, critiquing people uh, in a way that leads me to feel puffed up or proud or sure. or something. So I, th- I think it's a hard one. Really good question. Yeah. Right? What would you say? Yeah, I kind of wrestle with that a lot because there are moments like where we have to discern like, you know, especially like right now we're hiring people. We're trying to hire people for the church. And so um, we have to be able to make uh, discernments and judgments about them uh, in such a way of like fit for a position. So there's like a task that we're trying to achieve. Um, you know, however, I think it's like a good measurement is like, is that statement that you mentioned, like, am I willing to kind of say this to this, you know, to this individual to talk, you know, to mention that. And, you know, sometimes I'd like to think that I'd always say yes, but sometimes I don't know. I got to kind of think very critically of like my own self and say like, am I, am I kind of crossing a line here? And so, um, I try to engage in those discussions in such a way where like I would, you know, I would uh, share this with this person. Um, cause I think where gossip's problematic is like you're, um, 
and and I know we just have a moment. It, it you're kind of you're tearing someone down, um, and that's kind of the end of it. Like you're not going to an individual to help kind of um, sharpen them, encourage them, challenge them. Um, but you're just kind of maybe yeah tearing them down for the purpose of puffing yourself up, or you know when multiple people do it, then they're all kind of puffing themselves up. But what have you accomplished? Mm, nothing except hurting someone and kind of ruining their name in some degree. So. I don't know. That's a quick like glance at it. It is kind of definitely a difficult question, but I think trying to make discernment is really important, but also doing so in such a way where we're not, you know, uh, ruining the name of God that's in that person and, and speaking negatively about the image of God. So and this may reveal something about me because I can be late uh, as well. But like, I think I probably view that as a more innocent comment. Like this person tends to run late yeah. or whatever, as opposed to, you know, if they said, um, you know, this person uh, is uh, always complaining. Mm. Uh, they're, you know, or they are always picking apart things and have a negative approach. Yeah, that kind yeah. Of thing. That becomes more of a besetting character thing. Or, or like if you said, this person uh, doesn't know how to manage their money. Those are kind of things. Like, why do I need to know that? Whatever. Yeah. But this person runs late. Might be for me to say, to say like, hey, don't, don't let it bother you. Yeah. And don't leave the Starbucks five minutes into it because yeah. they weren't on time. Yeah. There could be a redemptive person purpose behind that. So yeah. just just thinking about why, but asking ourselves why we feel a need to pass on negative information. Yeah, I was gonna say really that too. Yeah, what's the intent good. like behind that? Because yeah. I know when I'm trying to like puff myself up and maybe make someone out to be less than you know whatever. Um, but also I know when I'm making an observation, you know, as honestly as I can. So it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that takes a longer podcast to maybe dive into. <laughs> um, the next question: uh, Can you suggest spiritual disciplines to help conquer the first five behaviors on the tongue assignment? Was that an assignment that you gave last week, right? Um, yeah, and I could I could just summarize those. It was you're supposed to have zero tolerance on hmm. these. Don't complain or grumble. Don't boast about anything at all. Don't repeat any bad information about hmm. anybody, or or run someone down even a little bit. Don't defend yourself. Or make excuses no matter what. Um, so the purpose of that assignment, to be honest, was not to sustain itself over the course. Mm. But it was near the beginning, and it was supposed to show us how desperately we needed to lay hold of the gospel. Yeah. Even though we're already Christians in this course, it was for people who already walked with Christ for a while. It, the purpose of that exercise was really to humble us and bring us to a point of walking with Christ in a way to say, I desperately need you. Yeah. And it's my heart needs you because what's flowing out of my heart are things that indicate I'm in some trouble. Yeah. So that was the purpose of it. So I would say the solution of it, according to that course, was really to dig deeply into mm. the gospel and your adoption. It was also called, it was actually called Sonship. It was yeah. the discipleship course. And it was like we often operate like we're orphans. Mm. And that's where that speech comes from that I'm all alone, I've got to fend for myself, I've got to build my reputation, I've got to let people know the excuses so they don't. And it's like, you know, that is because you are not experiencing your freedom Yeah, yeah. as as a dearly loved child. Again. Yeah, so it ties right back to that. Ties right back to that. That was really good. Um, and then the last question, which um, we kind of already answered, I'm just going to repeat it and then point you back to the beginning of this episode. The question is, what can I practically do to let God love me and then keep myself in that state? And really kind of what you discussed is like community is a huge part of that not only being involved like in yourself in scripture and reading the word and being informed by that but allowing community to speak truth to you in those moments where you're having a hard time speaking it to yourself so that uh yeah it does and i, I just had a thought here one one privilege i think that uh, christian and i have is that we both have a job 
that pays us to tell people the good news about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, again and again and again in our teachings, but also in one-on-one conversations yeah. and as well as when we're out and about in the community. It's part of our work uh, as set apart. And when I do that, what happens is I get to overhear truth that applies to me also. Mm -hmm. And it does lift me. So I just think, share the gospel with other people and um, make sure you're buying what you're selling, you know, um, and and receive that. Um, I have been refreshed so many times by something that I, by a word of encouragement that I'm taking to someone else. And then I'm like, why is my self-talk so lousy? Yeah, I'm talking like a good friend to them. Yeah, and in my own heart, I'm talking like a bad friend to me. Yeah, and yeah. I would never be this bad of a friend. Yeah, like to tell somebody, you know, like you're. I don't think, uh, you know, you're a worthwhile person or a worthwhile character or a loved character. Like I would never do that. Yeah, yeah. But my own self was like, you did this. Yeah, you failed in this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's trying to practice what you'd be for others to yourself, which is trying. Yeah. Trying to make sure my self-talk is a good friend. And a good friend would be mm-hmm. one that would remind me of Jesus. Yeah. That's good. Well, um, that concludes episode two of Sermon Q&A. Keep sending your questions. This is really good. And we really appreciate the thought-provoking conversations. And feel free, feel free to challenge some things, too, if you ever have questions that kind of push back a little bit. We like to lean into those things as well. But, uh yeah, go Love. birds. Yeah, go birds. Give us your your scores. Yeah, uh, if you dare, you can uh, memorialize them by putting them in a comment section. Right? Yeah, and then we'll see see who's closest next week. If somebody gets it right on, oh, absolutely, gosh. man, then that means um, we we owe them a lunch. I think. Yes, we do. We'll buy you lunch. <laughs> yeah. So uh, put those in the comments if you want. But uh, I guess we'll see y'all next week. All right. Great. Thanks, All right. Christian. Take care.